Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. So the March for Life, which was last week, which we talked about in the previous episode. And as always, it was a great event. People marching for the unborn, you know, to protect babies in the womb. And in the midst of that, there were, uh, I guess, an interview that um, was printed in an article from Education Secretary Betsy DeVos where she made the comparison about ending abortion where is comparable to the fight to end slavery. And who that just caused such a tizzy amongst, especially the Democrats, you know, leftists, progressives and what, and whatnot. And, uh, I saw one, uh, Ayanna Presley, you know, she was, you know, all upset on Twitter. Time I said to my face and all that. And you know what I would say? You ought to say this to her face, Betsy DeVos, or if not, I would love to say it to her face. I have no problem. I would say this as cruel and atrocious. The injustice of slavery is abortion is a greater evil than slavery because abortion results in 100 percent death. of America. Here's the podcast where we talk politics, a little entertainment, some culture, and this and that from the road to your ears. This is Trend Chat with your host, Brian Bledsoe.
And welcome to another episode of Trend Chat. I am your host, Brian Bledsoe. And if you want to connect with us, one of on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, it's all the same name at Trend Chat 24-7. So, I guess, the, I don't know, was that a hot take or not? Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But, yeah, anyway, um, like I said, we talked about the March for Life last weekend so but so we're going to talk about on this episode so we talked with director michael pack he directed a film called created equal clarence thomas in his own words and we're going to play that interview and the film as we're recording it is well right now i think it's like friday morning I'm currently in Denver, Colorado, which is snowing. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess I'll get back to that in a minute. But, um, but yeah, so we're going to talk with um, director Michael Pack about the film and just, you know, ask about, you know, how this came about and everything like that. Because as I mentioned in the interview, you know, Justice Thomas is not one of the most vocal <laughs> justices um, in the Supreme Court, uh, I mean, you know, I don't hear from any Supreme Court justice in, in general, but he, you know, so to have him to agree to do this documentary is, um, is was surprising, but I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the film, um, this weekend. So I, I'm going to say this cause I think it need to be said plenty of, you know, a number of times in this podcast, because, um, if you're listening and, and it's that, you know, the weekend of the 31st, you know, check out Created Equal and go to justicethomasmovie.com to check for showtimes in your area. Um, it's shown, it's going to, well, it's going to be shown in um, select theaters. And so, yeah, just go to justicethomasmovie.com and check it out. We're gonna mention it a couple of times in the interview, but like I said, I think it needs to be mentioned uh, a couple of times now because um, really we hope for for people to go to check out the movie. But uh, before we get into anything else, I do want to mention about seventeen seventy six united dot com. I want y'all to check that out, and I'll say that again: seventeen seventy six united dot com. All sorts of patriotic gear. And with hats, shirts, mugs, all of that. And check them out. Put in the code TRENDCHAT. You get 20% off. So check them out at 1776united.com. Now, before, um, I guess, yeah, I guess I might well get to this because um, I'm pretty sure by now everyone knows about what happened to Kobe Bryant this past weekend. And... I guess I know for me, I remember, I mean, I think we all just remember, you know, moments, um, certain events, you know, kind of like everyone, you remember when maybe certain celebrities die or something or certain events, you know, like, you know, pretty sure everyone has a, a memory of nine 11 or stuff like that. And I know I have a number of, you know, of memories of, you know, uh, celebrities dying 
and what I was doing when I heard the news or what or whatnot. And any any time, you know, a celebrity, especially someone you know I don't know, regardless if I whether I like their music or 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 their movies or whatnot, um, it it wasn't really something where I really was affected. I mean, my heart went out to the family because regardless if they're a celebrity or not, it's all, it's, you know, having a, a death, especially something as sudden, like what happened with Kobe is a, a very, um, devastating, um, moment in, you know, for the family, especially. But, uh, I, I will say this because for me, th- this hit a little different. And I'm one, I know why, because Kobe was one of my favorite players. So I really have four favorite players. Um, now they're all retired. So, but, um, it was Kobe, Shaq, Emmett Smith, Deion Sanders. Those are my, you know, those are my four favorite players. And so this is the first time having one of those players, someone that I used to, you know, watch all the time playing, you know, playing basketball and all that. And, um, and so I would say it was a day I'm not going to forget, especially because of that. And I would say I'm, I'm, I was glad that I had someone with me actually, because I was with a friend of mine and, um, and we heard the news at the same time and we both are fans of Kobe. So, uh, when we first heard it, well, one, we had to see, you know, see, was it a hoax or whatever? And I think first thing I saw was TMZ. Um, well, first my friend got a call from, um, you know, about it. And I was like, well, okay. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Um, and then first thing I did was a check Twitter. And so I saw Kobe Bryant was, tr- was trending. So that's, it, it means one of two things, either it's real or it's a hoax. And it, and it, and people are trying to say that it's not true either way. He was trending. So I'm like, okay, something's going on. And so then I got one. Then I was able to, you know, watch something because I, you know, I have, um, sling tv on my phone so i went to uh, fox news or any news that had it on and then that's when i saw it there i'm like okay now it's real so so yeah it was um I, yeah because like i said this is something i'm not going to forget so when the news came out and um and getting there you know the realization that it's this really happened uh, me and my friend were just sitting in the car, just watching it. Um, for about I don't know, I honestly don't remember. It was probably like fifteen, thirty minutes. We just sitting in the car, looking at the, um, looking at the news about it, and um, and yeah. So, and as the time went by on Sunday, so, and like i said it's gonna be something for me in particular because we just finished we was hiking because <laughs> uh, well i was taking a couple of days off in arizona and 
so me and my friend, we went hiking and whatever. And right when we finished, got in the car, you know, uh, phone rung. And that's when the the news uh, was going around and all that. And so, yeah, um, like I said, we both, like I said, we both were Kobe fans and we talked about it and what, and whatnot, but it was, it made it a lot easier. Cause I can just imagine, um, it probably been a lot, uh, a lot more, uh, downtrodden, I guess, in a way, at least, at least on Sunday, especially just all the tributes started coming out and everything. So, but that being said, I just, that's, um, that's just something I know for me personally, that's, that's uh that that was different you know um i'm not the the sort you know that really get caught up in a lot of you know what are celebrities or whatever like that because like i said i don't know any of these people and i didn't i don't don't know kobe so but it was just more so because of me appreciating his you know what he did on the court and all that and and so yeah it just um that was it was a little different different feeling I guess. And also I said, I wasn't going to really talk about this, but I'm going to now because it's, it's sticking in the back of my head because I understand, um, the attention and that is, that is going behind having, um, having the coverage about Kobe Bryant, everything, um, because he had millions of fans and for, (laughs) decades i mean he's he played in the league for 20 years and even before before then i mean he was a celebrity for yeah decades and so i i understand the reason why there's so much coverage and i know there's plenty of people who i've I've seen it you know i've seen it on on social media that you know with all the the you know condolences and everything for for Kobe, then you have these other group of people who would want to just hop up and just say like, well, um, what about so and so? I'm not even going to just mention like a particular um, story because someone will mention about well, why isn't uh, whether it, it could be veterans, it could be any anyone that you know they'll bring up. Well, why this person not getting this much attention? Um, about what happened to them. Well, I don't know why it's difficult to understand why, because there, you didn't really know anything about whoever else that would would have died. Like I'm a veteran, so if something would have would have happened to me while when I was in the army, I don't expect to have um, 24 hour news coverage about about me i mean i would what i would at least expect right is for um the army to do their part and to inform my family and to um and all the proper arrangements are made but i'm not expecting to have a um have coverage like a like a person who has a following of millions. I don't have that. <laughs> so wh- why would I expect that? Um, 
and I don't I don't know. I guess it come from a a place of hurt for that for the family of of some of those because they feel like they should get that recognition. And when we're talking about news or anything or any sort of coverage, that's the reason why. And so I I don't see I I sympathize, but I think we should be more realistic as far as when it comes to that. So, like I said, um, again, so I I didn't want to get into that. Like I said, they well, because that may be I I don't want to come across like I'm not not sympathetic to anyone actually because it's not just regardless of we talking about veterans or just talking about any person. Because this is a this is something that happens every day, and um, it's something that we all have to deal with, and we're gonna all have to deal with it ourselves as well. And so, with the sudden nature of of Kobe, I think it's something that we all should really consider. As far as you never know when it's your last day, and this will be be the time for me to say. I will hope that you have put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because you never know. And you shouldn't hold off on that. If you're thinking about it or you've been or even not thinking about it, I would pray that you would think about it now if you're listening to this. But, um, but yeah, if um, Kobe's an example of showing that in one sense, you know, you definitely need to, you never know when that day is going to come. So, oh, oh, boy, I, that that was um <laughs> that was more than I thought I was gonna 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 say. But on a lighter note, we're gonna play our interview with Michael Pack uh, coming up, and yeah. So again. Just think about it. You never know when it's your time to go. Hey, I'm Amy Robbins. And I'm Emily Valentine. And we are not, not your, your average gun, gun girls. And you're listening to Trend Chat with Brian Bledsoe. Hello to fans of Trend Chat and Brian Bledsoe, the founding project, an education nonprofit dedicated to civics, invites you to visit our brand new website. Visit us at thefoundingproject.com. Be a part of the civics movement with The Founding Project. The Founding Project is a 501c3 education nonprofit. Please join us today. Hello, this is French Hat. And we are very pleased to have Michael Pack with us. He is the director of an upcoming documentary that is that will be in theaters on January 31st called Created equal, Justice Thomas, in his own words. And we want to bring him on to talk about the film and what we can talk about because we don't want to give away the movie. So how are you doing, Michael? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on Trend Chat. Most people, general public, really don't know anything about Supreme Court justice. I mean, kind of when when you see these like man on the street interviews where they ask people about Supreme Court justices and it tends to be like they know none of them. Right. But but when it comes to, to Justice Thomas, 
he's even, you know, he's one of the less vocal of, of all of them, really. And so a documentary like this is um, definitely would be something eye-opening um, for a lot of people, um, given, you know, they get the chance to, to watch it. But my question I want to ask you is that um, you know, why did he agree to, to participate in this documentary? Well, he got tired of having his story defined by his enemies and the, the myths and half-truths about it. So I had heard that from mutual friends. And once I met him and heard his full story, his very dramatic life story, which not that many people know, I really felt the need to tell it and to get it out in a movie and into movie theaters and to change the public's perception of Justice Thomas. And the, I guess, what is the timeline of the documentary? I know, I mean, I've seen the trailer and it seems like it's kind of going from, uh, almost seemed like from, from childhood on to being, um, named for the nomination and so forth, but. That's right. It, it goes right from his birth all the way up to today. Uh, okay. It's called, it's called just created equal Clarence Thomas in his own words because we want Clarence Thomas to tell his story. And so, it's really based on a long interview I conducted with Justice Thomas and, to a lesser extent, his wife, Ginny. I, I spoke to them for over 30 hours over a six-month period. And Justice Thomas looks right at camera and tells his dramatic story as he experienced it right from the beginning. And, and even his birth is dramatic. I mean, he was born in Pinpoint, Georgia, a Gullah-speaking area on the coast, uh, on the coast just outside of Savannah. So English wasn't his first language. He grew up really poor. His father left before he could remember. And, and then he went, then his mother, you know, when he was about six, his mother brought him from Pinpoint to Savannah, where, as he said, he went from rural poverty to urban squalor. And there he had a kind of poverty few of us have experienced. He was hungry in the winter. He was hungry. He was cold in the winter. He didn't have a proper bed. And it was the segregated South. I mean, it wasn't just poverty. It was poverty plus Jim Crow. And his, when his mother brought him to school, he would just leave and no one cared. He'd wander the streets of Savannah until finally, after several years, she realized she just couldn't take care of his, Justice Thomas himself and his brother on her salary as a maid and brought him to uh, her father, his grandfather, to raise. And that's what turned Justice Thomas's life around. His grandfather had a small heating oil business, not not a lot of money, but some. He was not well-educated, but he believed in education, and he gave Justice Thomas discipline, hard work, a biblically-based value system, sent him to – he was himself Catholic and sent Justice Thomas to parochial school. And there, unlike the school where he'd just leave and wander around, it was run by the these Irish nuns. It was all black, but they were white Irish nuns. Nate gave him a great education, Catholic values, but lots of hard work, lots of self-discipline, and he thrived in that environment up to the point where he even decided he wanted to be a priest and went to the seminary to study to be a priest. So it's already lots of twists and turns in his life, and we're only, you know, at high school. So it's a very dramatic story. So, And you said it was, uh, what, 30 hours? We uh, spoke to him for thir- yeah of an interview yes uh-huh. wow. over over six months in, in three and four hour groups but but yeah so no one has ever spoken to a Supreme Court justice for such a long time They're, they don't usually give interviews and as you said 
Justice Thomas is famous for not giving interviews. Yeah. He was burned by the media during his his contentious confirmation battle. But but we are lucky, honored, that he gave us all this time and trusted us to tell his story. So with the 30 hours of all the interview time, so how much, how long is the documentary? I mean, that's a lot to edit. <laughs> it's a lot to edit. It took us a whole year to edit. Um, I credit my editor, Faith Jones, who did the hard work, but we worked together. I mean, and the whole team, but, but especially Faith. Um, it's two hours, which may sound like a long time for a documentary, but everybody who see, sees it says the time goes quickly. I mean, look, I've only told you his life up to high, up to high school, and it takes mm-hmm. me a long time, and it's already it's gone from poverty and racism and and the Catholic Church, and then and then he falls away from his faith. Um, he is. It's 1968. He's watching TV in the seminary, and he's had, there's been a bunch of racist incidents, but the one that caps it off is they're watching TV when Martin Luther King Jr. is shot, and a white seminarian, the seminaries have been all white. He was one of the first to, to integrate it. A white seminarian says, I hope that son of a dies. And that really capped off Justice Thomas's feeling that the Catholic Church wasn't doing enough for civil rights. He didn't want to be a priest anymore. He told his grandfather, who kicked him out of the house, and then he went through a radical period where race and racism explained everything. He was an angry black man, as he said, when, when he, he had to go wherever he could, could, and he luckily had full tuition scholarship at Holy Cross in Worcester. But there, he continued his radicalism. He hung around with Marxist students. They invited Black Panthers to speak. They engaged in a walkout. He supported everybody, as he said, who was in your face, from Malcolm X to Huey Newton to Angela Davis. So then it's only till he hits bottom that he finally goes back to his faith in a very dramatic moment, you know, towards the end of Holy Cross. So now we're out the only at the end of college. So it's a very dramatic story. Justice Thomas tells it feelingly and um, beautifully, unlike yours truly. For myself, I, I'm thinking because I mean, when you mentioned about all the time that you that you spoke with, and I, I would wonder one day will we will we be able to at least see most of the interview one day? I mean, I know we're not going to see that now, but I mean, like I said, that was a long time to be speaking with them. I mean, I'm pretty Indeed. sure there's probably other little de- other little details we probably you know would yeah. like to to learn as well. So, but. Uh, I think it is a historic document, and one day I will make it available. I, absolutely, Brian. So the um, the title called uh, "Created Equal." Um, what was the the idea for that? Well, the "Created Equal" obviously comes from the Declaration of Independence: "All men are mm-hmm. created equal, and are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit, and the pursuit of happiness." And that's really one of the linchpins of Justice Thomas's life. And his jurisprudence, that we're all equal, equal under God, doesn't mean we're entitled, we're all the same. It doesn't mean that we need equality of outcome, but we have equal rights. And that's from God, from God, from, from the laws of nature and nature's God, as Thomas Jefferson said. And that forms the basis of how he sees the world. And, and you see that work itself out in the film. And that's one of the threads. His Catholic faith is another thread. The, the values of his grandfather are a threat, and these things are all all work together. 
And you said, so that, that's why we called it that. And in the documentary, do we give any, I guess, opinions on any cases that he heard or anything like that? Well, we have him talk about one case, the, uh, a affirmative action case mm-hmm. called Gruder. And um, so you get a feeling for how he decides cases. He, of course, wouldn't talk about a case that's coming up. Yeah, yeah. He talks about other other things in the 30 hours, but in our experience, Brian, people are more interested in his dramatic life story and too much of a detailed analysis of cases. Justice Thomas is a great um, a great um, judicial thinker, and he's written over 600 opinions, 30% more than any other sitting Supreme Court justice. So he doesn't speak a lot on the court in oral argument, but he writes a lot. But these are very scholarly 30-page arguments. You know, people do not really want to hear that. I, I yeah. thought it would be better to tell his dramatic story and get a sense of his values and principles which underlie his jurisprudence. Oh, I, I totally understand where you come from. I'm just, m- me, myself, that's yeah. how I would. <laughs> yeah. Like, I understand why. I mean, so yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, if I was editing and putting together a documentary, I'd probably do, I'd probably do a bad job at it because I would be – you know, if you talk about these cases, I would get all in the weeds about it, then it would be like a four or five-hour movie. So, yeah, so right. I know that's what right. I want to hear, but I understand, what, I understand where you're coming from. Um, and so I'm guessing the, the whole nomination process and what was going on there, because I know I'm 39, so I don't remember it that clearly. I was I was a kid when it was all going on, but I do remember it happening. And um, so I guess you recount the, um, what was going on at that time. Yes, he tells the story of the confirmation, his confirmation battle, which was very dramatic. You know, a- after he became a conservative and went to work for Ronald Reagan and was a public figure, he was always attacked by the left and the people who disagreed with him. But it reached a peak in his confirmation battle. And after a first week or so of five days of questioning by the Senate Judiciary Committee, they had voted seven to seven and sent his nomination to the full Senate. And then Anita Hill's testimony alleging sexual harassment by Clarence Thomas was leaked. And then the, the, the Senate Judiciary Committee reconvened at her testimony from Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas. Now, people your age may not remember that Anita Hill did not accuse him of physical harassment, which is now so common, and, and especially as the Harvey Weinstein trial goes on. She accused him of talking about pornographic movies, saying inappropriate things, things that indeed do qualify as sexual harassment, but on the scale of these things, nothing like a Harvey Weinstein or anybody else accused of physical assault. Still, what she said would not was harassment, and he denied, she asserted he denied it. And he talks about what it's like to suddenly have these charges that you feel are completely baseless come down, and what it took to respond, and how he and his wife, they were newly married, had to really rely on their faith to see them through that very difficult time. So, well, you said it, the editing was, I mean, about a year it, it took to put yeah. all this together. So so yeah. when was the interview? I don't remember, but it was at least a year and a half ago. I mean, it was before okay. Kavanaugh hearings and before the Me Too movement even got got too much underway. So, and, that's the re- and that's kind of the reason why I'm asking, because I wanted to ask, so while this was going on, we had the whole Kavanaugh nomination going yeah, on that's right. and i was going to that's i want right. to ask you like did, did you, were you seeing a parallel of what was I, going on I, in the present time and while you were doing this documentary 
That's right. It was eerie. Exactly right. And it seems to me that the Kavanaugh hearings followed the same playbook as the Thomas hearings. They ha- they waited very late on purpose. The Democrats waited very late to release the um, charges against Kavanaugh, and they were similar. I mean, they were, you know, weakly founded charges, and there was a hope that just the assertion would, would drive Kavanaugh away, and it did not, as it did not with Justice Thomas. But I think it's the Thomas hearings was the beginning of when people would just feel that leveling these charges, you know, you can level these charges at anybody, and it's a very, very hard to respond to. I mean, look, I am not denying the reality of many of these charges. I, I think it's a, a great thing that the Me Too movement has exposed real harassment that exists, you know, in, in many, many areas of American life. And I think very, very often women are not listened to. It was only several years after the Thomas hearings, after all, that that, the, that Bill Clinton was president and uh, many, many charges came up against him, against women who were trashed and not listened to. So I'm, I'm all for listening to women and some, most, many, most of those charges are true, but some are not. And they're very hard to respond to, and it's very easy to level those charges against somebody. Yeah, so the movie comes out January 31st, and so if people want to know where they can you know, watch the film, uh, they can go to the website, and the website is what? The, the web- website is justicethomasmovie.com. They can go there. We list all the theaters where it's playing starting January 31st. But if it's not playing in a theater near you and you have a big enough group, we can make a special screening happen if you sign up on the website. But I really urge your listeners to go. If you care, if you're interested, buy tickets. You can't have movies like this if people don't go to theaters and show up. And it's in, you know, 21 cities, New York, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., Dallas, Houston, Chicago. I mean, lots of cities. I urge you to go and even if it's a theater that's 15 or 20 minutes away or even a half hour, I urge you to drive and go. I urge you to bring people who you don't necessarily agree with on some of these issues. I think it's a great thing to discuss. I think it's a moving story, whatever your politics. And I, I hope it's inspiring to the people who see it as, as it was to me to make it. Yeah, and I second all of that, and I will – me, me being on the road as I am, hopefully I will be in a city this weekend, uh, wherever I'm driving to, and be able to, uh, to catch it wherever. I hope so. Go to that website, justicethomasmovie.com, and you know, see if, see what's the closest one to you. All right. Well, Michael, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and we hope to talk with you again soon. I hope so too. Thank you very much, Brian. Hey everyone, this is Lucia Scaramacchia and you are listening to Trend Chat. Thanks to Michael for joining us. And again, justicethomasmovie.com to check for showtimes. And so, as I mentioned, I'm in Denver, So, but I don't know if I'm going to be here 
Friday night or whatnot. So I don't know where I'll be this weekend to hopefully, hopefully I will be somewhere, um, wherever I'm at to go check it out. But, you know, if you're listening to it, listening to this, I don't think you will have that much of a problem. Um, uh, or at least as far as, you know, if there's a screening in your city. So check it out at justicethomasmovie.com. And so, again, thanks to Michael um, for joining us. And before we go, I had a couple other things I wanted to mention because <laughs> I know this clip from CNN from with Don Lemon and his panel just having themselves a good old laugh riot about making fun of Trump supporters. And and that has made the rounds to the point that where Don Lemon came out and um, just said a bunch of words because it definitely was no apology. Um, he just said some stuff. And I mean, if he thinks people are as stupid as he was laughing about before, I guess he's like, well, I could just say something. They stupid enough. They will. They'll, they'll accept that. So that's because <laughs> That's how he came across with this, that, whatever that was. It wasn't an apology, <coughs> but, <laughs> but it's not even really about that for me. What I hope will come out of all of this, which unfortunately I don't think it will because it's not going to get much attention. Just the attention that it's getting it just amongst us as conservatives. And, you know, we're the ones that are really kind of paying more attention to it than anything. And because, you know, the rest of the media is not going to um, uh, report about it, mainly because they agree with they, they what you saw in that, you know, on that little panel with those with Don Lemon and those two, that's what you were seeing was what they do behind you know, closed doors. They just it just slipped out that Saturday, <laughs> and um, that's all it is. So I don't suspect you know I don't expect the media to um, ABC or none of them. I don't expect them to to, um, to report anything about it or um, feel any sort of any sort of shame because they agree with them. So, but what I would hope this would highlight is that CNN, just like pretty much all the rest of the media are not objective. And I wish that's the one thing I, I want to, I, I want people to realize is that CNN and all these other, you know, ABC, NBC, all of them, they're not objective. They're, and I, I'm, I'm stressing it like that because whenever someone brings up Fox News, they always want to say, well, it, that's the, the conservative network or that's the, the right leaning, the right wing network or whatever like that. They always want to put some sort of disclaimer or whatever, whenever they talk about Fox News, like, well, it's the, that's, that's the right wing, wing, you know, um, it, they're biased. So they're, they're not objective. Meanwhile, all the rest of the other media are on the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> and, but they're considered to be objective. I mean, I guess unless you're talking about MSNBC, I guess that if you look at two sides of there, when you mention about Fox news, they'll say they're more right wing. And then if you say MSNBC, you know, it, they'll, They'll admit that they're more left wing. Meanwhile, if you really just look at it, it's really 
all of them, CNN, CBS, ABC, all take your pick. They're all on the left. Maybe at certain, maybe some are more moderately left, <laughs> but they're all left. They're not objective. None of these, none of them are. And I, I just hope something like this would highlight that and something would, would, would shine a light, a light on this. And, and more people would, would actually understand that. So that's, yeah, that's what I, <laughs> that's what I hope. Cause I, I don't say, you know, I'm not going to say that like, well, Don Lemon should be fired or whatever like that for for what he said and all that. No, I mean, he let them uh, say what they want to say. Like, like I said, I don't really have the problem about what they said. I disagree with it, but you know, I would just wish they would be more honest about their reporting as opposed to, you know, coming across as their objective journalists, which, which they're not, they're just not. So anyway, we're going to come to the end of this episode. And, you know, I said last week that we were going to get back to our candidate series, which I thought we was. I really did. But we are. We're going to next week. We will next week. Um, we have to because we have to make sure we get all these um, interviews out, especially for the Texas primary. So um, we will get back to that next week. And also, thank you for, for listening. Like, share, and subscribe. We're available on Google Play. All, you know, most popular podcast outlets. So like, share, subscribe. Appreciate you listening. And until next week. We'll chat with you later. Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Guys. As we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today. 833-687-0700. 833-687-0700. Zero seven zero zero.